I will be going to Iowa State and studying agricultural engineering and I'm really excited for it and yeah. So I'm going to be heading up to Iowa Central on the 12th of August to attend automotive technology classes to get my associate's degree in mechanics and then after I have a couple years working as a mechanic I'll be going back for diesel mechanics. Awesome. Yeah, let's give them a hand, our graduates. Awesome. Well, you know, we're going we're gonna to just pray and bless you um, here as we kind of wrap up today. But I wanted to share one verse real quick. And this is something, excuse, sorry about that. I wanted to share this with you. It's a verse I'm sure you both know well. But it's something I believe as you keep this in mind and you take this with you, it will help guide you. You know, you're going away from the guidance of your parents, the guidance of those people that have helped raise you up to this point. And now really your, your guiding factor is going to be the Holy Spirit, your relationship with God, knowing what is right based on the foundation that's within you. And so I wanted to read you this this morning for you to think on as you go into what's next. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give it. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I just want to encourage you guys in this. As you go out into Iowa State and into the college for mechanics that you're going to, Zara, as you guys go on, I want to encourage you to continue letting that light shine in every place you go. Let God's goodness show through you in every season of life and every place you enter. Let it be a place that light comes into because you are there. All right? Well, we're proud of you guys. So let's just pray over these two together. I'm going to I'm gonna switch over. I guess we don't have yet. Sean, if you want to switch my mic over, I'd like to lay hands on them. And if you all would extend your hands out as we pray together for these two young, young man and woman of God, let's just agree for his blessing over them as, as they graduate and move on to the next season of life. Lord, we thank you for your goodness every step of the way in life. You are a faithful God. You are a present God. You are with them. We know that your Holy Spirit is living on the inside of them. They are the temple of you. And because you go as they go, because you step into what is next as they step into what is next, God, we believe and we confess and we stand in faith that you are with them in every time of their life. We pray for your guidance over them as they walk into new plans, as they find their way, as they find your perfect will for them, Lord. I pray that you would guide them continually. We pray, too, for your blessing and your favor with you, God, and with men as well to come upon them, just as it did with Jesus as he walked and shined his light into the world while he was on earth. We pray that as they walk out their life, stepping outside of their parents' home and going to make a, a home and a life, of their own, Lord, we pray that your blessing would be upon them, that as they go, they would be seen as blessed, and that it would be a way that they can let many people know that you are a good God, you're a faithful God, and you're a present God. I thank you, Lord, that you are guiding them every step of the way. We thank you for the promise that your plans for them are good plans, that as they follow after your plans, Lord, they would be led into good things. We thank you that as they follow your will for their life, as, you, as they look to you, Lord, you would be faithful to guide them into those good places that you have in store for them to go into those good things you have in store for them to do Lord we thank you that this is a good beginning an exciting time in life where they get to step out into what's next and see you work in their life in new ways and in old ways Lord we thank you for this we thank you for the blessing that they both are that they're both called and appointed for a time as this that they are the people that they are right now in this time and in this place for a reason, Lord, for a purpose that you have ordained since the beginning of time. And so we thank you that as they are faithful to walk with you, you would, you would be blessed by them. Your name would be glorified by them and much good would come. Many people would come by their works, by their faithfulness and by them being the light that you have made them to be, Lord. We thank you that the foundation that is within them is strong. It has been built up as they've grown in the word, grown up in church, come to know you. We thank you, Lord, that you will help them to live the abundant life that is promised. We thank you for all of these things. We thank you for Kale and Zara. We love you, Lord, and we pray this over them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Hey, give you a hug. I know we're social distancing, so I'll keep my head kind of away, but we're proud of you guys. We're excited for what's next. So you can go ahead and 
take your seats. <laughs> well, are you all ready to worship our God this morning? All right, will you stand with us and let's worship together. Their video, yes, let's do their video. You can be seated. This morning as we worship and give in Galatians 6 verses 7 and 9 are what I'd like us to look at. Galatians 6 verses 7 through 9. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap of corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. This is good news. It says what you put in is what is going to come out. What you sow, what you plant in the ground, what you plant in your life is what is going to grow and eventually be reaped. You know, this morning as I was meditating on this passage of scripture about sowing and reaping, something we've probably heard many times, you've probably heard an offering tithe message about sowing and reaping before. What stood out to me is this way, my finances are an expression of what I'm really sowing. You know, I've heard this many times, you know, if you, if you sow, give your tithe and offering, there's going to be a blessing reaped. We see that promise in other places in the Word. But what I saw this morning as I was meditating on this is my finances, what I'm sowing with finance, is really an expression of something else that I'm giving, something else that I'm sowing. Finances, I see it this way, are a means to sow other things. Finances are, are a means to sow spiritual things. Finances are a way to sow generosity. Finances are a way to sow favor and blessing. Finances are a way to sow into heaven, like the scripture says, to store up treasure that does not rust, eaten up by moths, but a treasure that does not become corrupt in heaven forever. You see what I see and what I'm telling you this morning, preaching out of the scripture this morning, is we sow and reap. You know, I might be writing a check or putting money in the plate or going on my phone and giving. But what I'm really giving isn't the money. What I'm really giving is my heart to Jesus. What I'm really giving is generosity. What I'm really giving is cheerfulness. This is why God loves a cheerful giver, because you can give grudgingly with your money, and what you're giving him is a bad attitude. <laughs> what I give with my finances is an expression, an expression of what I'm truly giving, and what I'm giving is my heart to my King. Amen. This morning as we give, let's give our heart to our King. Let's give generosity. Let's give cheerfulness. Let's give him those things that finances represent. Amen. Let's pray and bless our tithe and offering this morning. Father, we give you because you're worthy. We give to you because we love you. We give to you because we want to invest our heart into your kingdom and into your family. This morning, Lord, as we give, we don't just see it as a check or a dollar bill or an amount on our phone screen. This morning as we give, Lord, we see it as a, as a gift of our heart to you a sacrifice of my life to you giving of of generosity and cheer blessing heaven kingdom things to you lord and i know that as i give as we give those things this morning lord we reap what a glorious harvest we reap as we sow these things lord as we sow cheerfully what a wonderful joy we experience in you as as we give our heart over to you lord what a wonderful life we live we give this morning, Lord, expressing through finances what we're truly giving in our heart. We pray this and ask that it would be useful for your kingdom, a blessing to you, and make your name great throughout all the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all as you give this morning. Now as I switch over to my other one going to head on into the Word. Are you ready for the Word this morning? We had a few extra things as part of the service. It took us a little bit longer to get here, but now we get into the food. You ready to be fed this morning? I know I'm looking forward to some graduation parties where I'm going to eat some good food later, but I'm telling you what, this is the best meal we're going to eat all day. You know, I, I was thinking a little bit about graduation, and I'm not going to necessarily preach a graduation sermon this morning, but there are some things about this message which is going to be contend for the faith, contend for the faith 
This message has some, some uh, things with graduation that go along with it. And what I, one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking about our graduates and this transition they're about to make into a new season of life. You know, not only are they entering into new things and bringing new things into their life, but there's some things that they're taking off as they move into the next part of life. There's some things that don't go with them. I have this little red, uh, like a little red cubby box that sits in my closet at my house, and it's full of, of the keepsakes and mementos that I've held on to, you know, over the years. Things that my dad gave me, things that friends gave me, things that were important to me that I held on to over the years. And, and I was kind of confronted with this thought, you know, what is really worth keeping? Anybody ever had that thought before? Maybe you're going through spring cleaning in your house and, and maybe one person wants to keep everything and the other person wants to throw everything away. Yeah, I've been, I've been in those situations too. You know, there's this, this question that gets asked, what's worth keeping? What's worth holding on to? And then I kind of thought of this question too, what's worth fighting for? Have you ever fought to keep anything? I remember a garage sale one time when I was really young and my mom was getting rid of all my toys. And I was really upset with her. I said, mom, I play with those. I like those. There was this big racetrack she was about to sell in the garage sale. And I said, you can't get rid of that. I love that thing. And she said, Isaac, you haven't touched this thing in two years. I said, yeah, but mom, I really want to keep it. If you let me keep it, I'll play with it all the time. I promise you. <laughs> I fought for it. <laughs> I said, I got to hold on to this thing. I can't let this thing go. I want what I have. Don't give it away. Because, you know, garage sales, you sell this stuff for like 25 cents. I'm like, Mom, you can't just give that away. Come on. This thought, what is worth fighting for? What's worth holding on to? Let's go to Jude 3 and 4 this morning. So it's chapter 1, 3 and 4. There's only one chapter in Jude. We're going to go and read verses 3 and 4 out of Jude. And we see teaching here about what is worth holding on to. And graduates, this is applicable for you because you're going to have to get rid of some things in life. You're going to take on some new things in life. And you're going to have to know throughout your life what's worth holding on to. Because there are going to be moments where people try to pull things off of you. There are going to be moments where it's inconvenient to hold on to some of the things that you have. But you need to know it's worth holding on to to keep it through life. Every time I confront this little red box of stuff I have in my closet, I look at it and I think, I should throw some of this stuff away. But then I think, it is worth holding on to. Some of the memories that are tied to this, some of the things that these mean to me, they're worth holding on to. And let me tell you, we have some things in the Lord that are worth holding on to through every situation. There are some things, and one thing in particular I want us to look at today, that you can never let go of. Contend for the faith. Let's read Jude 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The main thing I want us to look at this morning is this, this line in here where he says, I want to exhort you. I, am, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. This is going to be the main thing we talk about this morning, but I want to touch on just a couple other things very quickly. The first one is this common salvation. He says, I was very diligent to write to you concerning this common salvation. And, and I think it, it's important to address salvation because it is the primary, it is the foundational, it is the first thing that we have to have before we can move on to the other things. If you don't have salvation figured out, it doesn't help you to contend for your faith. Salvation has to be the cornerstone. That's what Jesus came to establish with salvation, righteousness, right relationship with Christ. That's what the message of salvation and the message of the cross is all about. That is the foundational block that once you have salvation, you can then move on to this next point. And he says, while I was diligent writing to you about salvation... This is amazing to me. He says, as much as it is important that we all know the common salvation that we share, and let me tell you this, salvation isn't a common thing in the sense that it's cheap, but it is shared among all of us. Hallelujah. We all share in the salvation of our Lord. But he says, as much as I wanted to write you about that, I found it so much more important. He says, I found it necessary. 
essential, critical. He said, I wanted to write to you about salvation, but I have to write to you about this. He says, I have to encourage you. I have to exhort you. I have to build you up to contend earnestly for the faith. What I see here is that contending for the faith is kind of a big deal. It's kind of, not even kind of, it's a very important thing that we as believers, those that share the common salvation, it's very important that we contend for our faith. And this morning we're going to look into why it is so important that we contend for our faith. He says, I earnestly, earnestly you need to contend for this faith. I just want to touch a couple of these words before we get into contend. Earnestly, it means a sincere and intense conviction. Seriously, he says, take it seriously. Believers, children of God, church family, take this seriously. He said, I wanted to write to you about salvation, but I found it necessary to write to you about earnestly, seriously contending for the faith so important to contend for our faith you know what's amazing about this scripture is this is the only place in the new testament that we find the word contend can you believe that i i was surprised because i I started thinking about scriptures in the new testament that i know and i couldn't think of another one that says to contend and so i did a search through my my index in my Bible, and I did a search online, and I tried to find another, I did a concordance search, which means I looked at all of the Greek words, and it's one time, one time in the New Testament, this word contend is used. Contend means this, to focus on, to struggle upon with skill and commitment in opposing whatever is not of faith. I'm going to read that again. Focus on, to struggle upon with skill and contentment in opposing, opposition, whatever is not of faith. It means to stand against whatever is trying to tear your faith down. That's what contend means. Now, now to contrast that, I thought of the word fight. And, And that, in some definitions of the word contend, this is another word that's related. Fight. Fight. You know, I I was thinking about why is it that this word contend, and it is a separate Greek word used for this. Why is the word contend used here rather than the word fight? Is there really a difference? I mean, is there? Do you know? Is there a difference between contend and fight? I did the research. Let me tell you what I found. We hear the word contend here because it, it places a different emphasis. Both are meaning I'm going to go against opposition I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to stand up against someone that is coming against me. The difference between contending and fighting is this. Contending means I'm standing up for what I already have and refusing to let it go. While fight means I'm going out and getting what I need to get. There are some things we're going to have to fight for spiritually. We don't war against flesh and blood, right? But we are going to have things where we go out and we fight the enemy for something. Contend, rather, means to stand strong and to hold on to. Whatever comes against me, I'm holding on to this thing. That's what contend means. And so in Jude here, as he writes and he says, contend earnestly, contend seriously for the faith. He's saying you cannot let this faith go. You have to take this thing seriously about holding on to your faith. And he goes on and tells us why. And we're going to dig into that here in a few minutes. He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed and they caused all this damage. This is why we have to contend for faith. Faith is something that we hold on to. Faith is something we hold on to. Have you ever heard anybody say, I lost the faith? I lost my faith in that. What it means is this, I didn't hold on to it. I didn't contend for it. And so when something came to pull it away, it got pulled away from me and now I've lost it. Contend means I'm holding on. I'm defending it with everything that I have. As hard as I might be willing to fight to obtain something I want, I will contend so much more to keep what already belongs to me. Do you agree with that this morning? You know, there's a difference between going out and trying to get something new and holding on to what already belongs to you. You know, as as much as I might be willing to go out and and work or fight or do things to, to get something that I want to get, I will stand so much stronger, stand so much more seriously to hold on to what already belongs to me. Amen? Amen. I mean, if somebody shows up at my house and wants to rob me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand at the door and say, I don't think you should come in here. 
And hopefully I wouldn't have to do any more than that. And let me tell you this. There's a big difference between standing and trying to hold on to material things and holding on to things of the Spirit. You know, there's an attitude uh, that I know of a lot of people that hold on to this thought that, oh, if, if someone comes on to my place, I'll do whatever I have to to defend what's mine. Right? You ever heard that before? I have. And I think if that's our attitude about physical things that are all going to be gone and rusted out in 50 years, how much more ought to I stand in the, in the space and not allow anybody to take anything spiritual? How much more will I stand up for the faith? If I'm willing to fight to the death to hold on to the house I've got, how much more will I stand and contend for the faith I have in Jesus Christ? Why is faith so critical? We're going to get into this more in a minute. Faith is the gateway to the supernatural. Faith is the gateway to the things of God. And so if I let that gate fall, it's like I'm blowing my only lifeline into the heaven. If I let my faith go, I've lost connection with my God. I will stand. I will contend for the faith. Amen. He says it's so serious that we're willing to contend and stand for the faith. Why must we be intentional and earnest First, uh, holding on to, contending for this faith. He says this, there's, there's men, certain men have crept in unnoticed. Quietly over time, things have entered into life and they've distorted the faith. They've, they've degraded the faith. They've pulled down the faith. And if it was happening then, I tell you it is happening today where things creep into my life. And all of a sudden, I don't know why, but my faith doesn't look as good as it looked a few weeks ago. I don't know why. How did I get to this place? Why am I finding it so hard to believe this scripture? Why am I finding it so difficult to be in the same position spiritually that I was recently? It's because things have been creeping in. And I haven't been contending. You know, contending isn't a passive thing to do. To contend means I am actively here to defend. I am actively here to hold on to. It means I, I'm reaching out, holding. You know, it takes muscle to hold on to something. You know, if, I, if I'm holding on to my phone up here like this, if I just start doing nothing, it's going to drop to the floor and I'm not going to do that. I will actively hold on to it because I don't want to lose it. I don't want to drop it. I don't want it to be taken or destroyed. And these things creep in quietly. And I think the problem is, and, and why Jude was saying, we need to be aware of this. I need you to consider this. I'm building you up in it right now because you need to hear it. Is because these things that creep into life, we're unaware. And so if I'm not actively holding on to the faith, if I'm not encouraged and continuing to hold on, then my default setting is to just kind of relax and do nothing. And the problem with that is I don't know what's coming in while I'm doing nothing. I don't know what's happening while I'm asleep. And I might be asleep spiritually, not holding on to the faith, not going into the Word to get built up in it every day. I might not be getting encouraged to hold on to the faith every day. That's why we come to church on Sunday, amen? Get the Word, get built up to get exhorted, just like Jude wrote this exhortation, so that I'll remember, i got to hold on to this thing. Because if I'm relaxed and asleep, and something creeps in without me noticing, all of a sudden I'm in a place where I need my faith. I, I need my phone, but it's nowhere to be found. What happened? Something crept in and took it from me. Something took in and damaged it. I have to be active in holding on to my faith so that in the time that I need it, I'll know exactly where it is and I'll know that it's secure and works right. I don't want to let it go. I, I don't want to let my faith out of my spiritual sight. I want it right here with me in my grasp at all times. You know, I, I mentioned a few minutes ago about possessions and, you know, there are, there are things we have and I've had stuff stolen from me. I don't know if you all have, but I've had things stolen from me. I remember when I was young, I had a guitar that I really liked and somebody wanted to borrow it. So I let them borrow it and think anything of it and I never got it back. And I thought, well, that's great. Just lost a guitar. Forgave them, moved it on. But you know what? If someone shows up and they want to take my faith, they're going to meet a different Isaac. I might be willing to let physical stuff... Yeah, okay, well, it's, it's, it's going to degrade eventually. I mean, it's something of the earth. It's going to get destroyed in the end. But my faith is eternal. My faith is for forever. If we're going to live forever, we need faith forever. 
That's something I'm willing to stand up for. That's something I'm willing to contend for. Nobody, not the enemy, not other people, and this was challenging for me, not even myself will stand in the way of my faith being with me. Does that challenge you this morning? Not an enemy, not another person, and not myself. Let's look at Mark 11, verse 23 and 24. Scripture uh, about faith, about using faith. Jesus is teaching and he says, I Surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, accordance in God's will, believe with confidence, trust that you have received them and they will be given to you. I thought this was so, so weird that Je the way Jesus says it in, in verse 24, he says, um, whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received them. I thought that was so weird when I read it because I think to myself, well, if I'm asking for something, Shouldn't I be believing for it? I mean, if, if I go up to A&W later and I want to order a, a root beer float and I ask for it and then I show up at the counter, I believe it's, it's going to come into my car and I'm going to eat it, right? I don't, I don't have this struggle of, well, do I really believe that I'm going to get it? Even though I'm, ask, like, I'm asking for it, but do I really believe it's coming? Why does Jesus have to tell us? Believe! Why does he have to say anything you pray for and ask for it? Believe it. I mean, it just it seems so simple. I'm, I'm thinking, Jesus, why did you have to say that? The reason for it is this. When we let go of our faith, we don't believe. But we still know that the Bible says something, so I should still pray for it. But then I got to believe it. And there's nothing else like this where I will ask for it and not believe it. But with God... For some reason, it's that way. You know, you know why that is? It's because things have been creeping in and taking the belief. And because I haven't held on to the belief in what the Word says, now i got to believe it. I have to choose to believe it. You know, I believe this. Sometimes myself, my own unbelief can be the thing that stops my faith from working, that gets in the way of my faith. Sometimes I have to contend with myself my own doubts, my own experiences, my unbelief. I have to choose that what the Word of God says is what I'm going to believe rather than maybe what I've experienced or what I've thought or doubted in my mind. You know, that, the, the area of the mind is, is, I think that's where the creeping happens the most. And, and I believe it's, it is the enemy coming in and like sending thoughts, getting you to think on things. It's like a whisper in your ear. All of a sudden this thought comes out of nowhere. What is that? That's not from me. you got to take that thing captive and put it to death because it does not belong in you. But when I start letting that come in and I start taking a hold of it like it's a part of me, now I'm my own worst enemy. Now I'm the one in the way of my faith. No person, no enemy, and not even myself will, will stand against me contending for my faith, holding on fast to my faith. I choose to believe in what I've prayed for. I be, when it's based on the Word, and I love that in the Amplified it makes that distinction. It says when you pray what is in accordance with God's will. You know, you're not going to pray for something that is against God's will, and, and that's not going to happen. I mean, if, if I'm praying and I'm, I'm like praying out the plan of, of the devil, not going to happen. It needs to be in accordance with God's will. We find His will in His Word. And so as I pray that, I believe that. What it really comes down to is this. Do I have faith in the Word of God? That's what it comes down to. Do I believe the Word of God or do I believe something else? Right. And am I willing to contend so that my faith is in line with the Word? This contending happens many ways. One way it happens is just by reading the Word. Building it up. I was, I was going to read that a little bit later, but we can read it right now. You know, faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the way that our faith is built up is by hearing the Word. Because the more we hear it, the more alive it becomes. You know, the more you hear something, the, like the bigger it becomes in your life. Have you ever noticed that before? The more I hear something, the more seriously I take it, the more I believe it, the more I buy into it. And sometimes that's a really good thing. When it comes to the Word, that's a wonderful thing. The more I hear it, the more I receive it, the bigger it's going to be. 
That's, that's the way I establish my faith. And that's really what we're talking about today is establishing faith. You know, it's not about going out and fighting for it. I'm going to go and fight for more faith. It's about keeping established what is within me. Right? You know, we, I love that this shows us in the Word. I don't have to go fight for more faith. I already have it. I just need to keep it established on the inside. I need to keep it established in me. 1 Timothy 6, 12, where I'd like us to look next, tells us something else, something wonderful about the faith. And it reemphasizes what we read in Jude 3. You know, as he says, contend earnestly for the faith. Jude also says this, it was once for all delivered to the saints. Oh, praise God. The fight for faith is already finished. Jesus fought in one faith. Amen. That's what the Word says, isn't it? Once and for all, He delivered faith to the saints. That means I've received faith. I have faith in me right here, right now, today. And it's not just because I'm the pastor. It's because I know Jesus. You know, you can't know Jesus without faith. You can't be in relationship with God without faith. Faith is right at the beginning because that is, that's how I believe on His name. You know, I have to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Well, that's faith. That's faith. Faith is present at the beginning and it's just supposed to stay established all throughout the Word. The way faith is meant to work in my life is this. I start with the foundation of Jesus' name and then off of that I build and grow and I just believe it for all of the other promises in the Word. I start by believing Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And then out of that, the more word I receive, the more my faith grows. That's how faith gets built, is by reading more and believing it and establishing it in my life. Saying, I, I'm going to stand on that scripture. I'm going to hold on to that scripture because it's in the word. And just like I believe what the word says about Jesus being my Lord and Savior, I'm going to believe what it says about all of these other things too. That's how faith grows. It's by confessing it it's it's by applying it it's by holding on to it amen and so we hold on we contend for our faith it was already done once for all delivered to the saints first timothy 6 12 it says this fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed with good confession in the presence of many witnesses the good fight, and see, this is one of the areas we see that other word used, right? We have contend, and then we have fight. Contend means I'm holding on, I'm, I'm defending, I'm not letting go of what already belongs to me. And then here we read this fight, the good fight of faith. He expounds on it and says, lay hold on eternal life. This, I believe, is where we go out and get eternal life. I believe the good fight of faith is going through the word and, and learning what promises belong to us? It's about receiving grace. You know, this is really what faith is all about. It's about receiving grace. It is, it is the through that grace comes. I said a minute ago, it's like a, a bridge, right? It's a bridge to the supernatural. It's a bridge to the things of God. That through faith, the things of God come into my life. And so the good fight of faith is about taking hold of what God has brought to me. I need to keep that bridge established. I need to keep my faith established and contend for it so that those things can come into my life. But I believe this, the good fight of faith, is about going into the Word and, and learning about God's promises and coming to know what it is His grace brings in that I might establish my faith in that place. You know, we start with, we could say it this way, we start with a measure of faith and that measure is faith in Jesus. And then as we grow in faith, it's about growing into truth. It's about believing the truth. As we receive more word in our life, our faith grows. You know, I almost see it like making a deck out of, or, or like a patio out of paver blocks. You know, I start with maybe one block, which is faith in Jesus. And then I read about the promise of life like we prayed over Carolina this morning. And I believe it because it's in the word and I believe the word is true. And so I lay another block. And now I don't have to fight for that block anymore. I just contend for it. I just hold on to it. I don't let it wash away. This is contention. It, it, is, it is the fight of faith. And they are very close, contending and fighting. I mean, it, it might even feel similar to fight or to contend. I, just, I like the way Jude talks about this because he says contend, and it means that 
holding on to. It's not about going and receiving something new. Contending is about holding on to what I've already got. You know, I really didn't set out to write a message that was about graduation in any way, but I believe this is what the Holy Spirit was stirring in me, and I think it's applicable for our graduates because there are going to be things that the world tries to pull off of you. You know, you've received a wonderful foundation growing up in the church. There will be more things that you're going to grow in in God, but even more than that, I want to encourage you, don't let go of the things that you've already had established. Don't let the world pull things off of you. And we all need to hear it today too because the world's trying to pull things. They want to take our foundation. They want to take our faith. But I won't let them. Will you? No. We don't want to let our faith be pulled away. Already delivered. In 1 Timothy it, goes, it says, we were called, we have confessed. It's already been established. Our faith was established through Christ. And when we say yes to Him, when we believe on Him, we establish it in our life. The work was done on the cross. It's just a matter of us bringing our mind, our soul into line with the Word and what Jesus has already done. I wrote it out this way, and this, this is a statement that I think helps me understand it. What we contend for is the life that we already received. The truth that we have already received. What I'm contending for is what I've already received. What we contend for is the life we've already received, the truth we've already received. And I was challenged in this way, uh, preparing this message and meditating on this word. This, this came to me, have I done too much fighting but not enough contending? Have I done too much fighting and not enough contending? Have I been going out pursuing new things but I have not been contending for the truth that I already know? Have I I've been going out trying to find new things, but I have not contended for the things that I already know to be true? Have I become tired and bored with the foundation that God's already given me? Have I stopped contending and holding on to those foundational things? Here's the problem. When I let the foundation go, nothing else is going to stand. If I let those first things come, if I let them go, the new stuff isn't going to stand up either. I have to hold on to the first things in order to have uh, the later. <clears throat> it is important as a believer that we do both. That we both contend and hold on to the old and also allow the fight against the enemy to receive the new promises come in. The things that I have not actively had working in my life, I want to have those established up as well. But it's so important that I contend for the things that God has already done in me. I do not want to become complacent or, or bored with the work, the good work that God's done in me from the beginning. I want that established and held in my life all throughout um, my life in Christ. <clears throat> Let's go to Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Another word on, on this topic of, of established things and holding on to them. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Once I get a hold of it, I hold on to it. If something's rooted, it means it's connected. It's not going anywhere. It's established. That means it's not just, you know, it's not tiny. It's not easy to move. Something established is something that's not going anywhere. It stood the test of time and it's going to keep on standing there. Amen. This is the kind of faith we have to have as believers. And I believe this. You know, we've talked some at church recently about how we are in the last days of, of this age. I believe, based on what we see happening in the world, that Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. If there's ever been a time that we need established faith, it's now. Because as the world goes darker and darker and, and more and more evil, it's, it's what's established that's going to stand up. We could say it this way, I think the world's pulling really, really hard today. And what stands up when they're pulling hard is what's established. You know, we had a windstorm recently. I had some trees go down in my yard. And it's because they weren't established well. They were rotten, they weren't kept up, and they fell over, dead. What stood was what was established. This is true for our faith as well. What stands is what's established. When it's tested, 
It's either going to go down or it's going to stand. There's two options. It stands if it's established. And so times like this are the times to establish things. Times where, where I'm okay, where, where I'm not being pulled on. You know, growth usually doesn't happen when, when you're facing adversity. Like a, a tree, if I'm like pulling on it, it's not going to grow up and become established. If, if my dad used to try to grow trees, if deer are eating it, it's not going to grow the way it's supposed to and become established like it should. Because it's, it's trying to fight for, it's contending for itself is what it's doing. That tree's contending to keep on living. And this is what our faith is supposed to be like. I contend to keep it in my life. I contend to keep health. I contend to keep wisdom and discernment. I contend to keep the light of God in me. I contend to keep hope. I contend to keep faith. I'm not going to let it slide. I'm not going to let it go. I hold on to it. Making our faith bigger comes down to believing what we hear in the Word. And we talk, I, I was given the example of like a patio that's growing out. How do I make that thing bigger? I lay more block. I receive more truth. And put my faith in it. That's, that's how my faith grows. It's either established or it's not. I either believe it or I don't. And if it's established, if it's rooted, it's going to stand. Amen. We said this, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've, I saw a progression this way. If faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I believe this, when a believer hears, faith comes. This is what we see in the scripture. When we hear the word, faith comes. I could say it's faith in the grace, the gift, the power of God. When faith is established, grace comes. So when we hear the word, faith comes. When faith is established, grace comes. So it, it goes like this. First, I hear the word about the promise of God. First, I hear the word about God. And then once I establish that and believe it in my life, that's when I receive it. Problem is, sometimes we want it the other way around. Sometimes I want it, I'll receive it first and then I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. That's not the way that faith is supposed to be established. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes because I heard it in the word. I don't care if I've seen it yet. I believe it because it's in the word. Some people may call that naive. I call that faith. Amen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I haven't seen it yet. That doesn't mean I don't believe it. I know it's coming because it's a promise of God and He's faithful. He doesn't let me down. Once faith is established, grace comes. And let me tell you, this is my favorite part of this progression. Once grace comes, the abundant life is manifest in my life. When I'm receiving God's grace, I'm, I'm going to see the abundant life that Jesus talked about in the Word. Uh, the abundant life is a life full of grace. It's a life full of blessing and favor, the goodness of God, the help of God, the power and strength of God. That's the abundant life. Amen. And there are people that would say, oh, that's, you know, that's prosperity gospel or that's not biblical. He talked about the life he wanted to bring us. I believe he wants us to have it. Amen. And so I receive God's grace through faith so that I can have that abundant life that Jesus promised. Amen. And so I keep my faith established, believing that grace and abundant life are on the way. Talking about it building and compounding. I want us to look at Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 to, to back that up. You know, I talk about how we, we put one principle, one thing we put our faith in down, and then we grow on top of that. We build more on top of that foundation. I mean, it'd be more like building a house even. You lay the foundation, the first part, it's an important part. Out of that, you build up the studs in the frame, the outside of the house. Then you can start doing sheetrock, and then you can put, well, actually, you'd want to put wiring and plumbing and those kinds of things in. Then you put your sheetrock in, then you put your texture on, then you put your paint on, then the ladies decorate, and then you just keep building the house out. Okay? There's a process to it. If I just look, if I go out to the park today and I try to put lights up on trees, I don't have a house because I have no foundation. 
We have to start with the foundational things, and we see it here in Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, we call this the foundation, the building blocks, the basic things. Leaving these basics, he says, let us go on to perfection. And then he tells us what the basics are. He says, not again laying the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying, let's stop going over and over these same things again and like, let's, let's go on to some of the other things. This tells me this. There are foundational things and then there are other things. There, there's a progression of building in the, the way of faith. As I put my faith in the foundational things first, I'm able to build up and grow into some of these other things. I see this too about faith Matthew 17, 20, talking about, you know, growing faith or big faith. Jesus talks about faith here because I think sometimes there is a challenge of all, I I need my faith to be bigger for that. I need bigger faith for that. Have you ever heard that or ever thought that before? Let's look at what Matthew 17, verse 20 in the Amplified says about this. It says, he answered, Jesus answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God, For I assure you, and they asked why they hadn't been able to cast out a demon, and this was his answer, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. He says this, For assuredly I say to you, if you have living faith, that's good, living faith, it tells us what kind we need, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and if it is God's will, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The good news is this, okay, I don't need big faith, I need living faith. I need living faith. It wasn't a matter of if they had enough, it was a problem that it wasn't alive. They were saying the right things, but they weren't believing the right things. It was, they were their own worst enemy. What was, what they had to contend with was themselves, the disciples, It makes me feel better that sometimes I have to condemn with myself that Jesus' 12 had the same problem. It wasn't about, oh, I got to get more. I got to get bigger. I have to, you know, I have to do some small things before I can build up to that. You know, maybe if I do enough little things, maybe if I believe for a cold or a cough, then maybe someday I can have faith for cancer. That's not what Jesus said here. He didn't say you need, you know, you need to grow the tree of your faith and then you'll be able to do this. He said the size of a mustard seed. They're so tiny. But when it's alive, it works. When it's living, it works. Man, that's just, that's just the message of the gospel, isn't it? When it's alive, it works. When it's alive, it's good. This is the way faith is. When it's living, when it's true, when I'm really believing and trusting and putting my confidence in the power of God, in the grace of God, it comes through faith. And then I have the abundant life manifest in my life. Amen. It's good news. Living faith is what is needed. Living faith. This is what we contend for, is the living faith. This is another point, kind of on the, the note of contending. You don't have to contend or fight for grace. Okay, this is good news. You don't have to fight, contend to get the gifts of God. Grace has already been established. What we contend... What we assert or establish is our faith. It's keeping the path open. Jesus, he provided grace at the cross 2,000 years ago. That part is done. God's part is is finished. Amen. It's already done. It's not a problem. The opportunity we have is establishing our faith so that what he did can come into my life. I don't have to go contend to receive the, I don't have to get the gifts. I don't have to contend to buy the gifts. Jesus did it. I just hold on to the bridge. I just hold on to the faith so that God's grace can come and operate in my life. Amen. We talked early on, and I'm I'm probably going to wrap up with this. We talked early on today about things that try to creep their way in and and tear down the faith. I I, I saw this as I was thinking on it. Every time God establishes something 
in our life. This is why it's so important. This is why we need encouraged in this area. Every time God establishes something in your life, a promise, you know, he, he builds a bridge of faith so that I can receive this blessing. Every time God establishes this, the default of this world, of, of an enemy-ruled flesh nature kind of world, the default setting is to tear the faith down. I thought about this even like things left to nature. Have you ever seen pictures of like cities that were left to nature and they just become overgrown and buildings start falling? I thought about a lighthouse. Have you ever seen a lighthouse that wasn't maintained for a hundred years and now it just looks like another rock sitting on this island? The default setting of this world is to tear down, to degrade, to, to pull the things that aren't of it. Our faith is not of this world. Our faith isn't world thinking. It's, it's spirit thinking. And so if I'm not holding on and contending for it, eventually it's going to be degraded down into nothing. Contending is an active process. It means I'm going to hold on to it. You know, if we were talking about the lighthouse again, it'd be like going out there to clean it up. I go out and clean it up every day. You know, they put keepers in those lighthouses so that they would keep working. Like years ago when, when those were the only ways that ships knew when they were coming up. They had people living in those lighthouses all by themselves for years at a time so that the lighthouses didn't degrade into just the earth, into the world. It's the same way with us. I have to keep it. I'm contending for it. I'm cleaning it. I'm keeping it working. I'm exercising it. I'm reading it. I'm checking things out. Have you ever done a self-checkup? You know, they, they go around these lighthouses and they check the holes, they check the cracks, they check the bulbs. They make sure things are working. I need to do that to myself every day. I need to read the Word and check. Do I believe this today? Is my confidence in this today? Am I trusting in that promise today? Is everything working the way it's supposed to work today? This is how we check up. This is how we contend for our faith. Because when I'm actively checking things out every day, I'm not letting it degrade into the world. I'm holding on to it. I'm keeping it in good condition so that when I need it, I can use it. Amen. When it's needed, it's going to be able to be used because I've been contending for it. I've been keeping it. <clears throat> Scripture that talks about this is Romans 8, 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. It's that checkup. It's that checkup. Going through my beliefs, going through the things I, I'm standing on, putting my confidence in. Is that world or is that spirit? Is, is that flesh or is that God? Is that word or is that news? Where am I getting all of these beliefs that are working in me? I have to check it out regularly so that I, my faith is in good condition when I need to exercise it, when I need to use it. <clears throat> We receive God's grace. I want to read you one more scripture about that and then we'll, we'll finish out this morning. Hebrews eleven six, talking about faith says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To be pleasing to God, to live my life in a way that God is, is pleased with me. Faith is necessary. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? He tells us right here, he says, because without faith, you can't believe that he is, which means you can't come to him. And if you can't come to him, you can't receive the reward. Without faith, I've got nothing. I mean, seriously, without faith, I could read this whole thing and it wouldn't make a bit of difference. I have to have my faith established. I'm going to hold on to my faith no matter what because it is the bridge that brings every good thing of God into my life. It is the only way I can live ple pleasing to Him. The only way I can be near Him, believe in Him, receive from Him. You see, contending for the faith is important. Amen. Keeping that faith established, it's so crucial. It, it makes me understand why Jude wrote the way he did and said, as much as I wanted to talk to you about salvation, I had to talk to you about contending for the faith. Because if you let this go, you're in trouble. If you let this go, you're missing out on the whole thing. Contend for the faith. One more scripture. This is what I'll end on this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. 
encouraging us about faith. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Just gives you another reason. Why do I hold on to my faith? Because it is strong. The shield of faith is able to defend against everything that the enemy would send against me. Everything that the world would try to send at me, faith will stand against it. Established faith will stand as I contend for it, as I clean it, keep it, check it. My faith will keep me. It will cause me to stand. <clears throat> the strongest weapon we have is not physical. Faith, among the other spiritual weapons, are, are, the, are the strongest. The strongest thing we can deploy, the strongest thing we can use in any situation in life. It's because it, it is of God. And He's so much stronger than we are. He's so much greater than we are. Faith is going to be better than anything I could think up on my own. Faith is going to be better than any plan I can put together on my own. Letting my faith be the thing that I hold on to will cause me to live the abundant life. Here and now and into eternity forever. Amen. And I, I receive the abundant life. I want to live the abundant life. I believe that as we contend for our faith like it was written about here in Jude, we will be holding on to the things of God. We'll be holding on to the promises. And as we read, um, we will also be near Him, in Him, and receiving of the rewards that He's talked to us about. You know, I, I've used the example of receiving grace a lot this morning, but that is not the only, the only thing about faith that's important. Faith, like I said at the beginning, is, it is the bridge into all of the things of God. And so beyond just receiving grace, it, I mean, it's the way I receive guidance, is faith. You know, it, it may come by the Holy Spirit, but I don't have that if I don't have faith. If I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, if I don't believe in His guiding, if I don't have trust or confidence in that, then I don't have it. It's so important to stand for faith, to hold on to faith. Do you see that this morning? This is what I want to encourage you in as we go out today. I know, uh, seniors, you guys have a big day and, and a lot ahead of you, a whole life ahead of you. Let this be encouraging to you. Hold on to the faith. Don't let it go through anything you may encounter. Check your faith regularly. Check it and see if it is strong, if it's established, or if it's starting to falter. Get in the Word and make sure that your faith is established. For all of us too, we need that today. As we're in these last times, as we're the shining light, a city on a hill that cannot be dimmed, we need faith to stand. We're not the hill if we don't have a light. We don't have the light if we don't have faith. I got to keep it Got to keep my faith. Got to keep my faith. Got to hold on to my faith. Let's pray this, th this morning. Hold on to my faith. Let's commit to this this morning. I'm holding on to my faith. As much as I love receiving God's grace, I will not let the faith go because I know it's the bridge. It is the way I receive every good thing of God. Let's pray this out this morning. Father, I thank you for our faith, the faith that you've established in us, the faith that you have delivered once for all to the saints. We are those saints today, Lord. We receive that faith that you've brought into our life. As we've said yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we have trusted in Him, called, uh, believed on Him as Lord and Savior, believed what Your Word has said about Him, that if we come and confess our sins and repent and, and confess Him, Lord, we'll have a life in heaven with You forever. We will be redeemed and made righteous again. We have confessed that and put our faith in that. And if there's anyone out there this morning who has not done that, well, I'll, just, well, I'll pray this and, and we'll do that together. We'll exercise faith you can choose this morning to receive the faith that God has made available for you. If that's you and you want to receive Jesus this morning and receive that faith in Him, just pray this with me quickly. Father, I thank You for sending Jesus to be a sacrifice for my sins. This morning, I believe that He came, died, rose, and brought life for those that confess Him as Lord and Savior. This morning, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me righteous. Make me a new creation and help me to live my life for you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
And I thank you, God, that this morning, those of us who have prayed that, who have believed in Jesus, have faith established in us. And that because we have the cornerstone, which is Jesus, we can now put our faith in, establish faith and contend for faith in every area of the word. Lord, as we read your word, I ask you, Holy Spirit, reveal to us any area where my faith might be faltering and help me to contend for it. Lord, if there are thoughts or ideas or doubts or anything that have begun to creep into my life to tear down faith, to degrade it back into a mindset or thinking of flesh or the world, then I pray that that thing would be exposed. I would see it as a lie. And as I check myself with the word, my faith in your word would be established. What I see in the word would cause be the thing that I believe, that I put my confidence and my trust in. And Lord, I pray that as we do this, we would be receivers of, of every good and perfect gift, of every blessing, of the spiritual and supernatural things, of heaven on earth, of your grace, of your spirit, of your abundant life. I pray that it would come in as we have our faith established. I pray that through our faith, those things come, Lord. You are so good, so great, and I thank you that by grace through faith we have been changed and made new we pray this and we thank you for it this morning in jesus name amen